Back to the Beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Eric Snow, who had a fantastic freshman season. My chat with him coming up, along with a preview of this weekend's opponents for the Bulls and the schedule already being changed, both in baseball and softball, with weather forecasted Saturday and Sunday. Today is supposed to be nice, as it was yesterday for both softball victories. Although, as we told you, with Alexis Buckman passing, it was definitely a difficult time to get through. And I thought the most beautiful tribute, and this was in the middle of the broadcast of the first game on ESPN+, Plus, Ryan Urquhart and Georgina Korik, who, not sure how she got through it, but definitely worth sharing this. She's incredible, by the way, as a broadcaster and as a person, and explaining what Buck Strong and who Alexis was beautifully here. Yeah, I had the amazing privilege of meeting Buck through the USF softball family. Um, those of us that had the blessing of knowing Buck on the field and playing with her saw her as an incredibly hard worker and someone that you loved having in your corner. She was effortlessly kind and funny. Um, she walked into a room and it just lit up. Her diagnosis changed absolutely nothing about her and instead only served to highlight her natural strength and bravery in the face of something no one should ever have to experience so young. What I remember most of Buck is her smile. Um, it was a constant presence in our day-to-day, -day, regardless of what she may have been going through personally. She wore bravery and selflessness better than anybody I've ever known, and she pushed all of us around her to be better. She inspired an army of people to fight alongside her as she continued to graduate college, killed it at her own bingo nights, and loved with absolutely everything that she had. She is carried in small pieces inside of us, those of us that had the blessing of knowing her, and we carry her legacy on to those that never had the chance. We'll do good by you, Bucky. I promise that you live on inside of every single one of us in the strong and selfless way that you lived every single day. Thank you for being you, number 33, and thank you for sharing as much of yourself as you did. We love you, we love you more, and we love you most. Thank you, Bucky. So with all of that going on, you had a feeling that the Bulls might be motivated. I think they were a little bit sluggish at the start and just naturally. I mean, it's one thing to say you're inspired, but this was a different sort of situation, obviously. It was frankly hard for me to get jacked up at the beginning of the broadcast. It was sad, obviously. So the Bulls were playing a team that was 0-6 and had just lost in extra innings earlier and a team that started off last year 0-35. And the pitcher they were going up against, Carly Joe Clark, was 1-11 last season. And that was her only win in, obviously, the last season and a half. But they couldn't solve her, and UIC actually took the lead in the top of the fifth. Then the things started happening that made you think, someone's looking over the Bulls. Now, Maddie Snyder put forth a solid double. She was getting her first start, the transfer from Missouri. And then Ryan Eigeman blasted single runners on the corners. But... An out was made at home plate when the Bulls looked to be in great shape on a grounder to the pitcher. So all of a sudden, against a UIC team that, by the way, mentioned 0-6, had only taken three leads all year. And every single time, they gave up the lead in the next half inning. So you're thinking, man, if the Flames get through this, their confidence could surge and who knows what could happen. But Marissa Tribalpiece came up with a big hit to tie the game. And then things really got crazy because in the next pitch, it looked like Camille Ortiz-Martinez grounded out because she did. No one knew what was happening. I even watched back the ESPN Plus replay. When Georgina Korik didn't know what the call was, I felt better. Turned out we found out that it was catcher's interference. So instead, the bases were loaded. Instead of one-to-one, -one, this happened. Now it's up for the Bulls to take advantage. And sure enough, Dipola crushes it, and it's dropped! 
out in left field. And that is going to bring two in. Bailey Drapola hammers that ball. I mean, hammers it. It almost got caught by Cran, but it eludes her glove. And the two RBI double gives the Bulls the lead. They would add another run and they would win it. Bell Sarja got the complete game victory. Game two, each team scored in the first inning. The Bulls drawing three walks against Abby Dunning. She had a complete game shutout of FGCU last week where she K'd 12, but she also had an extra inning win against FGCU where she walked six. She had to pitch earlier in the day through 92 pitches in relief in that 11-inning win. She would tire eventually from sheerly throwing a lot of pitches. Alana Rivera walked with the bases loaded, but the Bulls stranded them. Boston College didn't have nearly as many opportunities to score. They had a great one in the second inning, but some defense here. And she lines that ball up the middle. Kathy Garcia Soto is able to flip it to second base. Unbelievable. She does it again. Ball should have been through the hole. A. B. There's no play there for a normal human being. Well, she tops that ball. And Garcia Soto dives to make that catch. You will not see two better back-to-back plays at any level. I might have just exaggerated a little bit, but I don't think so. Kept it one-to-one, and while the Bulls walked a ton in the first few innings, Abby Dunning started to settle down, but so did Peyton Dixon. As a matter of fact, with that defensive help really kick-starting things, she was able to set 12 down in a row. Now, on Monday, she enjoyed the bottom of the fifth inning when the Bulls scored three runs for a 4-1 lead, and then she departed and was done. And Bell Sarge got the save, Dixon getting the win. This case, on Thursday night, she enjoyed the Bulls taking the lead in the bottom of the fifth. Now, again, things were happening that were in the Bulls' favor. In this case, in the bottom of the fourth, actually, it didn't result in a run where it looked like Olivia Elliott coming off first on a solid single by Alexa Galagani got hit in the heel, but either it was overturned or they ruled that it was going to be a hit, so there's no runner in anyway. Marissa Travel Piece grounded out, so it didn't matter. But the quirky things kept on going in the fifth inning, and the Bulls ended up taking the lead. Rivera loses the bat. Watch out, third baseman. That ball might drop in. It does. So a couple of bloopers, and did she break the bat? Wow. Three and one to Wilkes. Through the right side, and great play by the second baseman, but it gets away from her. Runners will both advance to second and third. Boy, that almost hit the runner again. High and inside. Picture this to a righty, and she fisted it through the right side of the infield. I mean, that is incredible bat speed. Unusual stance for Foreman. She was almost facing third base. Now let's see if she goes with a more traditional. Oh, she's squaring like she wants to knock it to the right side. She's completely opening her stance. Let's see if that's what she does. Goes it to the left side, and like I said, that should score a run. It will. Deep short, Josie Foreman celebrates and almost twists her ankle. So that was the idea to shorten the stance so that you're not thinking jack the ball into the outfield and the Bulls have the lead. Two runs have been on a bases loaded walk and an RBI ground out today, but that will do the trick. I said things were happening in favor of the Bulls. Bases loaded, one out in a 2-1 game at the time. One and one. Slow roller, got to go home with it for the force. Boy, that was a rifle by Rivera, and that was the right play. With the bases loaded, obviously any base, the force exists, and it was an easy play. Oh, and there's a wild pitch, but the runner is going, and they should be able to get her in a rundown. They do! The ball bounces.
bounces so hard off the backstop. And Foreman threw it over to third base and the inning ends. It's almost like someone's looking over the Bulls here tonight. No doubt that Buck had their back and Peyton Dixon essentially pitched the complete game. She was pulled after five innings, but Bell Sarja came on and allowed two of the three base runners to get on. You heard how it all ended up with Dixon pitching, so she deserved to get the win. Now here on the podcast page, as we're taping this, this extra version of the program, we can already tell you that again, twice, UIC has lost on Friday, and both times they got shut out, but both were very low scoring. So hard luck, stay in Tampa for that program, losing to Hostra 1-0, and then Purdue 2-0, the Hostra game was in extra innings. As far as the Bulls go, the original schedule was to play Boston College today at 4.30. That stays intact. But then instead of two games Saturday, when frankly with the weather there might be no games, Purdue at 2, Hofstra at 4.30. They've moved that first game against Purdue to tonight, Friday night. And then Hofstra now becomes a Saturday 2 o'clock opponent with one more game scheduled for Sunday against Purdue. I feel like I might have just wasted about 30 seconds because by the time you hear this, it all could be changed up again. But we'll tell you as we're taping this, the baseball schedule, basically UConn and Louisville, who were supposed to play Sunday, got moved to Friday. So both those teams are playing two in a row as Friday is the only day that we're sure there will be no rainouts and you can't play four games of baseball anyway. I guess you could have tried, but 10 a.m. got things going, Louisville, Indiana State. Then UConn and Louisville at 2, followed by the Bulls and UConn at 6. The Huskies coming off a second straight 40-win season. Their winning percentage over the last three years is 71, and that is third best in the country two years ago. They made it to the Super Regionals and a deciding game against Stanford. Indiana State, Sunday's opponent, yeah, 45 wins last year and hosted a regional as a 14 seed won it before dropping out against TCU. Louisville last year, that's who the Bulls play Saturday afternoon. At least that's scheduled. And remember, tune into our broadcast Friday night. Not only will we give you much more on UConn, but we'll tell you any new schedule changes. Louisville actually did not make the NCAA tournament last year because they went 10 and 20 in that pretty decent baseball conference the ACC, by the way, out of conference, they were 21 and four. So they were truly a bubble team that might have deserved to get into the tournament. But 10 and 20 in conference, I guess, was the cutoff point. Still, since Louisville joined the ACC in 2015, they are the winningest program, despite last year's quote unquote offseason where they still finished seven games above 500. Another note from Louisville, incidentally, get ready, 899 stolen bases since 2015, more than any other ACC team has attempted. So Friday night against UConn on Bulls Unlimited, Saturday at 4 o'clock on the Strike 1025 HD2, Peter DeFee set to bring you the call of the Bulls and Louisville if it gets played, possibility that we could have two games Sunday. So just follow me on social media at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. We know that the men's tennis team is playing Friday afternoon at home against Memphis and that the women are at LSU today. What a challenge that'll be. And Sunday, they go up against Tulane. While in addition to the baseball and the softball and the you know men's basketball game, uh, men's tennis is supposed to play Sunday at 1.30 at home against FAU. You could say it's a slightly busy weekend, and let's throw in men's golf getting its spring schedule underway. Winning their last two events of the fall, as you'll recall, 
Today and Saturday, the men's squad of Steve Bradley playing in a 16-team field, where, by the way, the Florida Gators have an A and a B team. Yeah, the Gators are good at golf. So are the South Florida Bulls. UCF in this event as well, so that'll be a fun one to recap for you on Monday's show. And remember, in addition to all of the the games, we have a ton of interviews with baseball from the photo shoot. If you missed it on the stream Friday morning, we're putting up the Eric Snow interview. I put up already a quartet of newcomers. We got more to throw up. We'll try and do those before we hit the air Friday night. But frankly, I got to get ready for the broadcast. And if we don't get them all up on our podcast page, we'll take care of that by first thing Saturday morning. Thanks for dropping by the podcast page for this special version of Bulls Beat. I'm Derek Sharp.